This is Mornings with Radio Maria and I'm Helena and today we have a guest as well. I am live here October 3rd and I am delighted to be speaking to someone that has been seeing firsthand the work and the aid that Benefactors from England have given so much support to supporting people around the world, Christians around the world. I'm speaking about aid to the church in need, and today we've got John Pontifex on the programme. Hello, John. Thanks for coming on. Great to see you, Helena, and great to be on the programme. All right, John, it is a busy, busy time. Let's first start, if you don't mind, just looking back. It's been a busy summer, especially in August, and Aid to the Church in Need has been kept very busy helping and supporting Christians. Can you give us a little update on what you guys have been up to? Well, August was dominated by uh, the terrible events that unfolded on one particular day, the 16th of August when in the district of Jaranwala in Pakistan's very well-populated region of Punjab, there was a, 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 a riot, a mob descended on this town or district of Jaranwala and targeted the Christian community. And by the end of the day, uh, there were up to 27 churches and chapels that were torched uh, many of the artefacts inside, crosses, statues, benches, uh, and other items within the church were desecrated, smashed up, burnt. Uh, more than 100 homes were torched. Others were also attacked. And even uh, the cemetery where Christian graves were to be found, these crosses and other things on the graves were smashed up destroyed. And uh, we had reports that night of over a thousand Christians sleeping in the fields outside their town and terrified about the future. And uh, although the government of Pakistan was swift to offer reassurance and the caretaker prime minister came and visited Jaravala to provide aid and to offer reassurance of support, it absolutely sent shockwaves to this attack across the Christian community in Pakistan. There have been other incidents that have been unfolding subsequently that have uh, meant that people remain very frightened and fearful of what the future holds and when will another attack of this nature take place. And uh, in fact, only last week, we as a charity announced an initial tranche of aid of £130,000 uh, to provide um, repairs to the homes that were damaged, clothes, kitchen appliances, bedding, mattresses, and even stationary items uh, for those who lost so much that day. And unfortunately, it was very much a case of a targeted attack on Christians as Christians. And um, uh, one little boy explained how... Uh, he he was told, well, if you had converted to uh, to Islam, none of this would have happened to your house. It would never have been set on fire. And he responded by saying, of course, it's we're very upset about the home uh, that we had that is now in ashes, but we would never allow our own faith to be set ablaze uh, and destroyed by an act of renunciation of that faith. So um, th this has signified 
the Christian communities, both, both their sense of loss, their sense of grief, but also their, their determined faith, uh, their committed faith, which is an inspiration to us all. Hallelujah. It's, it's, you, Aetis Church in Need, had no idea that such an atrocity would happen. So it's really been through tireless work throughout the year and campaigning and sharing what good work there is that you were able to have these funds to help repair homes, uh, provide clothing and bedding. But it's also because you guys don't just, when the accident, when something happens, you don't swoop in there. You are, what do you do? How do you prepare? Like, <laughs> how do you get into the ground? Not into the ground. How do you get boots on the ground before these kind of events happen? Well, we have a very long-standing, deep-rooted friendships in the countries in question, not least Pakistan. I was there myself in March. I visited the very district where this terrible event was to take place and I personally know the the bishops, the priests, the sisters, the lay faithful, lay leaders and it means that because we've had pre-existing projects supporting priests, supporting sisters, supporting catechists, um, we, we have those relationships in place. So this means that when something like this happens and we need to respond quickly where we've got the assurances in place, we've got the, the structures in place to enable aid to be scaled up. And we also have a very strict system of accounting uh, and a procedure to ensure that every, uh, every pound that's spent is used wisely uh, and is used to, to, for the intention that was set by the person who gave that money in the first place. So um, for these reasons, we're able to respond and that flexibility is something we treasure mm. because the nature of persecution is about being willing and able to respond at pace. And that's what Aid to the Church Need seeks to do. And we have to be ever present, ever mindful uh, and ever vigilant of the need to respond uh, because these, these atrocities creep up on us unannounced. That's the nature of them. Uh, but we, we need to be there for our brothers and sisters in Christ who suffer in such horrible ways, different ways uh, around the world. Another place you guys are on the ground and supporting is Syria. Can you give us a little update on how things are going over there? Yeah, thank you, Helena, for giving us the opportunity just to say that only yesterday, um, Monday, uh, we were able to announce a further tranche of aid, uh, this, in this case, about £380,000 um, for those continuing to to struggle in the wake of that terrible, terrible earthquake uh, that affected both Syria and Turkey. Now, this, of course, you will you'll remember, as will your listeners, uh, the, the devastating impact of that, that quake back in February. And of course, what happens in these situations is there's an initial outpouring of aid and that's fantastic. But then obviously the news agenda moves on, the spotlight uh, turns to another part of the world, and yet these problems continue. So uh, yesterday, um, and there's been a, a delegation out in Syria, um, and that, that was helped to, to formulate the decisions and to clarify uh, and tie up any loose ends with the project applications. Oh, can I ask, John, now this delegation, is that aid to the church in need or is that government? 
No, that's an aid to the church ah, need okay, team okay. that's been out there. Um, and uh, yesterday we announced aid uh, for the repair of of two schools, that nine churches and monasteries, a kindergarten, a youth centre, and a community centre, as well as uh, repairs to homes. Now, of course, one of the reasons why um, this this aid is only being made now is because there was a fear that uh, that that there'd be more earthquakes, uh, that the damage done previously would would in fact worsen. Um, over over the summer, but now it seems the situation has stabilised literally, and and thereby uh, they're able to uh, make repairs to homes and other structures, which until now uh, have been too too uh, unsafe for people to to re-enter. And you may remember how in the weeks that followed that earthquake series of earthquakes back in February, people were actually too afraid to go back into their homes and were actually sleeping in their cars uh, and and were prepared to sleep outside in the cold, the risk going into uh, homes with great cracks in the walls and the ceilings. Um, and now, at last, we're able to start making repairs. It, it's, it's a small um, amount of help compared to the overall damage but it's very uh, strategically targeted to make the most difference uh, to the, where where people have suffered uh, at, at a critical level. So we hope to do far more of this over the coming uh, months. Um, and we hope too uh, that the Christian community and the other communities will be able to work together to rebuild uh, in a situation where they've obviously suffered a huge amount uh, through the, the many years of civil war, and I was in Aleppo during the height of that civil war, saw for myself the damage, and they were very, very badly affected by COVID and by a financial crisis that um, left an, many people um, going without meals and, and even on the brink of starvation in some places uh, because of the, the terrible blow upon blow that they'd suffered. So this is a really important help, and it's an opportunity to thank those of you who are listening who've been so generous in your support of Aid to the Church in Need, and to, to, to thank you on behalf of all those who, have, who are benefiting from this help, which um, is so sorely needed. I love that you guys are putting in, the funds are helping to work on the schools and the churches and the monasteries, not just the homes, because it's these places that once you get them up and stable, they'll be such a good support for those other, for the people in their homes and, and, and their lives. Once you get the school back, ah, we've got some stability and we can work on the other parts of our lives. Get the church back and you've got your hope, you've got your, your, your routine starts coming back. So that stable so then I can fix the other parts of our lives that's uh, and I, uh, you like you said you there's a lot of thought that goes into when we go in when you guys go in where the money's directed so that it is best and most efficiently used by those that need it yeah well that that's the nature of ACN's mission and having been both to, to Syria and Pakistan and and seen for myself uh, the scale of, of suffering and of loss um, the question that often is put to us, who is who can we turn to but you? Uh, you've actually bothered to come and see us in our situation. Will you convert your attention and your care into manifest signs of hope and help? And and this we are seeking to 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 do 
with with, um, with every amount of aid that we're able to to deliver, um, both there and elsewhere in the world, where there is indeed so much suffering and persecution and such extensive pastoral need. Um, and um, in you know in this month of the Rosary, um, what so often. I'm reminded of following my many visits to the the countries where ACN is active, is that before we leave our project partners and those we're helping on the ground, families, school children, monasteries, monks, priests, their their last thing they say to us is to ask us if we'll promise to pray for them, because that prayer uh, is so important as they struggle, as they seek to find hope in a place which is often full of despair. So uh, at a time when we're focusing on the rosary in this month of the rosary, um, it's really important to remember how much our prayers are so deeply valued by those who we help so that we know that we're not just helping in terms of our material support, but in terms of our spiritual moral support, which is so much a characteristic of of ACN and, and of of all those involved in the church's witness to Christ's presence in our lives. And so we hope very much uh, to to be vigilant in our prayer, particularly during this month of the rosary. Yeah, you have lots of things going on in this month of the rosary. So let's go. Let's first start with the 18th of October. You've got the one million children praying the rosary campaign on the 18th of October. And I've looked on on online at acninternational.org where you can find out more information about ACN as well as the million children praying. I can see that 4,000 and 21 people have signed up in the United Kingdom. That's not enough. UK, we need to start signing up, signing up. Radio Maria will be broadcasting a special rosary from a local school in London, praying at 2pm on that 18th of October. So we're looking forward to that. Any 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 oomph you can give to that, uh, John? Yeah, only to say that um, we, at Eight to the Church in Need, look at the rosary and we look at it in terms of the chain of solidarity that links us here with our suffering brothers and sisters uh, in different parts of the world, be it in Syria, as we've discussed, be it in Pakistan, as we discussed before, uh, and in other parts of the world, um, that there is this sense that the the the, the rosary is, is reflected in a spiritual linkage between us and our brothers and sisters who suffer and who turn to Our Lady and think of her standing at the foot of the cross, um, united with with her son in his suffering, and reflected in the suffering of so many people around our world today, looking to Jesus as as our saviour, personally identifying with our own suffering and offering us hope through through the promise of his resurrection, um, which is a promise made to us every day of our lives. So um, that that for us is so real um, uh, and is spiritually brought alive by the rosary. And so please do lend support through that wonderful initiative of One Million Children Praying the Rosary, a great initiative that ACN has every year in October and is a truly international global phenomenon. So thank you, Helena, for mentioning it. Oh, I love it. We at Radio Maria 
we love the rosary. Just just as a little shout out, we do have our our own worldwide rosary on the 7th of October. That will be at 3 p.m. at the Rosary Shrine in London, where you can join in person or join with the millions around the world praying through Radio Maria the rosary we can also join you john pontifax and other aid to the church in need folks that are praying uh october 22nd in london can you share a bit with that for us we have at that particular day saturday uh, sorry sunday the 22nd of october at 2 30 p.m uh at st patrick's church soho square uh i spoke to canon alexander sherbrooke father alexander uh, last week, who agreed to uh, us hosting the rosary in his church there at St. Patrick's, where we're delighted that Bishop Oliver Dachedome, uh, the uh, remarkable uh, Bishop of Maduguri in northeast Nigeria, who will be leading the rosary. And this particular bishop uh, is a champion of the rosary. He um, received a vision of our Lord in which our Lord presented him with uh, a sword. And as uh, Bishop Oliver went to reach, reached out to take the sword from our Lord, it uh, miraculously turned into a rosary. And he, Bishop Oliver, believes that the rosary um, has been instrumental in the challenge, the struggle against uh, Boko Haram, the Islamist uh, militant insurgency in his region, uh, which has now been pushed back very considerably, and he believes that's only down to the rosary. So he will—he is a, a great um, person extolling the virtues and value of the rosary, and he will be leading that rosary and telling his story and his the the faith that he has in the rosary uh, and his deep personal connection with Our Lady through the rosary. Um, so it'll be very, very wonderful to, to come along and pray pray with him and pray for the persecuted Christians of, of Nigeria. We know that many people suffer in Nigeria, but Christians particularly suffer uh, with so many uh, priests uh, and lay people kidnapped. Uh, there was uh, reports of a seminarian who was trapped in a, in a, a presbytery and then the, the, the presbytery was set on fire and he died within that within that blaze. And mm. this is just one of many incidents of persecution that are going on. Um, and for Red Wednesday, we will be having as our special guest, uh, Margaret Attar. Margaret Attar lost both legs and an eye in uh, a massacre that took place in her church during Sunday Mass, Pentecost Sunday, last year, 5th of June, in her church of St. Francis Xavier in Owo, in Ondo State, southwest Nigeria. And she's coming to share her story for Red Wednesday, 22nd of November. Uh, and um, uh, this is a story that's obviously marked by terrible suffering and long-term uh, loss, um, but also by her, her unswerving commitment to Christ, which is for all of us an inspiration and calls us to be uh, to be people of solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so she will be coming to St. George's Cathedral, Southwark, where Archbishop John Wilson, who only yesterday uh, it, I received uh, an email from him uh, saying he was, would be delighted to, to preside at the Mass and preach at the Mass at which Margaret will be present, uh, after which she will tell share her story 
Um, and that's our main event for Red Wednesday here, at least in London. And what time, what time is that, Mass? So that's at 6pm, 6pm on Wednesday, the 22nd of November at St George's Cathedral, Southwark. Um, Archbishop John Wilson presiding at our Red Wednesday Mass, where the focus will be Africa and the uh, commitment to the suffering church in Africa. And with Margaret Attar as our special guest there. Oh, John, thank you so much for helping and sharing so much about all the good work being done by Aid to the Church in Need. If you, my dear friends listening, if you want to learn more, see some pictures, see the other campaigns that they're doing supporting countries around the world, please visit acnuk.org. You can um, do, hopefully, we'll see you at the Rosary at St. Patrick's Church on the 22nd of October at 2.30 p.m. John, can I ask you to end our prayer, end our program with a prayer? Yes, thank you, Helena. Um, Let's pray uh, today um, for all those who are persecuted for their faith, be it in Pakistan, be it in India, be it in Nigeria, be it uh, in in, uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, uh, be it in different parts of our troubled world, be it in China too. Um, And let's all together say the prayer uh, that is so special to all of us, recognizing the intercessionary power of Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us us sinners, sinners, now now and at the hour of of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, and God bless you, John. And you too, Helena. Great to be with you today. Oh, great to be with you as well.